Hello again, TJ Schwartz here. You're listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. I'm with my co-host, Lucas Burnley. Sounds like you've got a lot going on in the shop. I wanted to ask you about it. Dude, I've got a lot. I feel like I've got a lot going on everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been an, this has been an interesting, uh, an interesting cycle. Um, the shop stuff is kind of a byproduct, which has been really interesting. Um, we've talked a little bit about like how there's areas where I'm like, I don't know what the next carrot is. Um, I'm not sure like what, what, what I'm going for or what the goal is. And recently we had, we had like a life change, um, of my father coming to live with us, right? He's 84, um, needs like pretty active care. And so (laughs) this has been like basically this last month, like you and I went up to Portland, we got back three days later, I split for New Mexico, Mm -hmm. um, got back from that. And basically I have been getting my dad situated, um, and getting ready for the USN show down in Vegas while also doing what I seem to do, which is like way over think every element (laughs) of like my life constantly. Same. Yeah. Um, but a really interesting thing happened. And at first I was like looking at it. I'm like, man, I have no time. And where, where we were already, like we had some constraints around like the kids and just like, and I, you know, like self-imposed stuff of trying to be like a good dad and partner and everything. Uh, and then adding in another level and the first couple days just being like terrified because mm-hmm. I'm like, now I have this random, these other random things, new appointments, new care. Like I got to go in and like kind of check on them, get them, get my dad food, like that kind of stuff. And like hang out with him throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's like no other way to say this, but it like pulled back a layer of bullshit. Mm-hmm. I think it is very akin to like when I got married and when we had Bo, there is like a refining process of clarity. And what I realized was that like all of these things that I was trying to do around the business kind of for myself are actually not the priority at the moment. And what the priority is, um, essentially is to make the amount of money that I need to make into the shortest amount of time with the least amount of steps in the most repeatable manner on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And there was like a huge wave of relief that came from that. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a narrower focus and a little bit of a liberty with that. Yeah. It's well, it's strange because like, I think I'm always like, I always have like one foot out the door kind of on like, projects and stuff like I get to a point and I'm like ready for the next thing. And there's been times where we've had employees where I'm running pretty efficiently and we're doing like you know a certain type of production and being really consistent with like running psypops and like you know polys and little like the pocket stuff. Um and what I realize is like right now I actually just need to give myself the space to do that. I think that there is an un, unanticipated side effect though, right? Which is I have been trying and trying and trying to like update systems and like make these like big jumps in like our, my CAD platform and like how I produce a knife. And I was already having a hard time like getting that amount of time. Like we've talked about that quite a bit, like the deep dive work. It's hard. And what I'm seeing is that by doing this schedule and forcing myself essentially into the process of repetition and productivity, there's micro improvements that are able to happen consistently. And I think that 
those over a similar timeline are actually going to yield much more growth. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed it when I was like running the, this last batch of Cypops. Um, I was just making little tweaks to the cam. And then through that, I started to like see some areas where I could improve my fixturing. I can't do it right now, but I took the notes, had the idea, took the notes and it's something that I can come back to. And if I'm being efficient, there will be points for me to make that type of adjustment versus designing something completely new and new fixturing and new process all at one time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it like, it's weird, man. Like there's like these moments where you have like free, it's like freedom through constraints. Yeah. No, I I know exactly what you're saying for sure. Yeah. It's a, there's, my dad says all the time, it's like creativity and, and productivity don't exist well in chaos. Yeah. Even though creativity is often, often linked to chaos. And I think that's like a a misnomer. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think the constraints are, it's a scaffolding that is, is important. That's, I had, I had that. I would 100% agree. I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. Um, Josh, uh, Warner, who's the owner of good art. It's a, um, good art. Hollywood is a jewelry company. Mm-hmm. I've always used him as like a creative kind of, uh, like just essentially someone I really look up to because they are, he's like, they're very productive, but he's also like always building really cool stuff and like very creative. And I was telling him about this process that I was working and there was like, um, kind of like he was quiet for a minute and he's like, Hey, I was like, yeah, he's like, congratulations. He's like, what you're describing is he's like, essentially the way that you were trying to force that work is you as like a 25 year old novice. He's like, the way that you're working right now is a professional. Hmm. My brain would have never put, put it together that way. But when he said it, I realized it because it's like there, like there is a point where just, just doing the work, being consistent, like not always having to have it be like the most exciting new thing, Mm -hmm. I think is pretty valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So there's truth to that. And there's, uh, it's, it's cool to hear. I mean, it's like you, we were uh, talking on the phone when you had what the laser running and the CNC running at the same time. And you were doing, tell Dude. me about that. Yeah. So tell them about that. Well, and it, it's, it's interesting. So different types of work you are able to essentially, uh, group right in different ways. So we've talked about this, like how many balls can you keep up in the air? Like how many areas of focus? And so mm-hmm. this particular day, I was running uh, like third op on Cypops, which is a 10 minute cycle time. In that 10 minutes, I was like, well, what should I do? I was like, all right, well, I know that I have a bunch of CRKT squids that I want to laser roses on. I'm going to start that. It's a three minute cycle time. So I look, I'm like, okay, I can do three squids in the time that I'm running one Cypop. From there, I have a three minute cycle time on the laser. And I was like, what else, what else can I do? And I'm like, oh, I need to disassemble SQDs so that I can start doing some mods on those. It was crazy. It was a perfect, it was like a perfect cycle. I would go down, start the machine, come back up, start the laser, start disassembling knives, swap my parts, machine buzzer goes off, go change the parts. It's not necessarily like if it was every day, all day for the next year, it'd be pretty rough. Mm -hmm. But in this concept of doing efficient work with, with the goal of not making, you know, every week out of the month efficient, but like, Hey, can I, can I get what I need done inside of two weeks or three weeks and then have that third week to kind of work on pushing those longer term projects forward? Dude, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoyed it so much. And like at the end of the day, I had lasered like 50 knives disassembled, I think like 18. And this is like disassembly all the way down to part screws, everything organized, ready for like refinishing 
and machined a whole bunch of Psypops. Nice. And it felt good. It is. I found that to be also an amazing feeling when you find two processes that fit together like Legos. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. Because some processes that can't share time, like it yep. just doesn't work. But yeah. Then you you find a couple where they really fit together, and we've noticed that in our shop. There's a couple things, and we've talked about it. It's like when you're doing this, always also do this. Just you know, if you find yourself doing the one thing, like by default blend it with the other thing yeah um and then just kind of it's like a package deal it's like there's like segments of processes that are bunched together in that way and i i love that that's cool well you think about it like like systems and this came up so like i'm still doing the business coaching stuff which interesting this this like ties into conversations i've had with terrence but also my accountant around like, how do I value time and money and where do I focus? Right. And this like is fitting in with things that they're both saying, which is pretty cool. But we, we discussed this yesterday and he's like, all right, he's like, this is essentially the way he's like the, the way that that day worked for you. That can be a week. That can be a month. It can be a year. He's like figuring out the interlocking systems. And how much time to devote to each one of those. He's like, that's how you can push your projects forward mm-hmm. without relying on like arbitrary, like muse and energy. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like levers. You're like, okay, this work is done. You move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, and it's, it's interesting because you look at like the constraint. And so the, t- the constraint that I have is time but also the realization that all of my relationships now require more input. Mm -hmm. So with it, with my father coming in to live with us, that's an added strain on Maddie. So I need to be able to be more present for her and like a more active partner. Same with the kids. So it's not just the added work of having like another person to care for. It's now caring for the other people in the system Mm-hmm. more yeah and that i think looking at, like it just it's so clear it's like a clarifying um event mm-hmm. where you look at it and you're like okay what what is really important it's it, you know what it feels like um do you ever have like a route you like know a route you're driving and you like to go the route but if you had to go somewhere fast you wouldn't take that route Right. It's kind of what it yeah. feels like. Like, I'm like, oh, this is like a quick route. Like, this is good. I'm, I used to do this all the time when I was delivering pizza and you have something that's a rush. You're like, in, intuitively, you, you know, in that moment that that wasn't the fastest route. Mm-hmm. Feels very similar to that. Where I'm like, there was, yeah, there was some like freedom around decisions that just it, it, there wasn't enough clarity yeah yeah right it, it is it's amazing how like how pressure and stress works it's like a, Dude. it's like a a medicine you have to take too much of it is very very damaging but not yeah. enough is bad too yeah it's it's like that's been a, a difficult process for me to find that right amount because i don't right. i do better under more pressure than less yeah. as a general rule Um, but I get, I have, you know, followed that to its, you know, extreme and had too much pressure, too much stress numerous times. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun game. (laughs) Dude, it really is. I mean, this is, I don't know, this, this is like the ongoing kind of struggle too. I tied to this, I was looking and I'm like, all right, I know that my, I work best very early in the morning. Okay. And I work well until a point and then i just start to lose like steam essentially Mm -hmm. like i start to lose focus i start to lose like the drive um but i also have like i know that i've been making my days really open-ended so a lot of times i'll go into the shop at 5 30 but i won't leave the shop until six Mm -hmm. and i was looking at i'm like the last few hours of the day, they are not productive. Mm-hmm. 
So what I'm going to do in this, in this like time where like, I realize I need to give more time is I'm going to put like a hard stop on my day. So if I'm in the shop working at five 30, basic, like basically what I do is like, I go out at five 30, I work at about seven 30. I go in, I have breakfast with the kids, help get them off to school. Now I'm doing some stuff with my dad around that time, like get him breakfast, get him med, stuff like that. And then I go back to the shop probably at nine. So if I do that cycle, but I leave at 2.30 or 3 p.m., I feel like I will have done all the work that I'm actually going to get done. But also I may be more efficient in that time because mm-hmm. there's a clear cutoff and I can't just say like, well, I'm, all right, I'll just like, I'll keep working on this and like get it done. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you have to be done by two 30. Yeah. The, the, the next effect that that has is I think that actually finishing at two 30, I like pull back some of my day. So I go into the evening with more energy and like ability to like show up for my family. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like all these things kind of linking where I'm like, why did I not see that before that? No, I agree <laughs> completely, dude. That's a, that's a good idea. We, we had a similar concept that we decided to pursue recently. We went to four tens. It's a different mm-hmm. idea, but four tens. Great. One of the reasons being uh, Friday gets just gets chewed on by things, yep. everything, you know, appointments or cause it's a weekday. So you can still use it for like dentist or whatever. Yep. Um, you can, I can like, I'm always trying to figure out like, when the heck am I going to mow the lawn? When am I going to do this? It's like Friday ends up being our, our grab bag of like, Oh, we got to do this. We got to go to Costco. Like we'll just do it on Friday. And it just becomes this catch all. And it leaves Saturday and Sunday less cluttered with like the tedious stuff like that. Right. Um, and so it's like, it's a work day in a weird way, but it's like a family work day. It's like, okay, we really needed to like finish caulking the bathroom. Like yeah. that's going to be this Friday's project. Um, and so we've, we've implemented that. We've been doing it for a couple of weeks and Dalton was happy to go to four tens and yeah, like rearranging the time. I think the five, eight hour days are like five fullish days. I don't know. I, I, I could see where there's industries and businesses where that makes more sense, but, um, yeah, we really like a different system. And, and with you, with you, what you're doing is like, you're instead of front loading at the beginning of the week, you're front loading at the beginning of the day. Right. Which is the same idea though. I know that I will get like, I get up and out of bed while everyone is asleep. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I basically, I've been trying to do this thing where I do water before food, food before coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do. Like I get up, I take, I do athletic greens. So I do that and I just go straight to the shop. But when I come back in, I have my first cup of coffee. Um, And I'm just noticing it's like if you start off in the right way, it like, and you get like hooked in, it makes everything after that point easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time, like if I get lost in the process, that's where I'm going to lose a lot of time. Um, Some of this too, I'm like realizing around like, um, like neurodivergence and like ADHD stuff. I I think I sent you a video yesterday. Um, from what is it? The company that makes those rad buckles, like little CNC shop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And they were like, we take the first hour of every morning and we use that time to make like shop improvements and system improvements. And as soon as I read it, I knew that I would never be able to do that because for me to do that, I have to get focused enough into that one job and hours enough for me to lock in that it would tank anything else that I wanted to do Mm -hmm. on the flip side. I can do it at the end of the day. And so I actually started to like implement that where I'm like, Oh man, end of the day, I'm losing steam. I'm going to go like yesterday. I ran a, I just ran a blast, like a, an air, uh, nozzle off of my sandblast cabinets so that I can dust parts off, like in the grinding room when I'm there, I like plumbed it in and I'm like, I left work feeling like man, I got all my work done, but I also made an improvement. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that a lot of these like concepts and systems that we hear and see in usage 
I think a lot of times it's, it's the, the information is 100% right. Like you're like, that is an awesome system. I'm finding it for myself. A lot of times it's figuring out how to apply it for myself. That is the, like, that's the tricky part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good thought. You the, know? the one hour of system improvement. It was pretty good. And they're, I mean, I can't, I can't think of what the name of the company is now. Um, like right on the tip of my tongue, they're very systems oriented Mm. and they're doing like lights out machining and stuff and, and, you know, kind of creating systems to like check all the tools and doing probing and just Mm -hmm. an interesting, like someone in there has a background in like systems engineering probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I just, right now I feel like all of these things are kind of linked in a way where the the ability to be like be efficient essentially or like very thoughtful with your time is really good to do ahead of the time that you actually need it yeah and life continues yeah it's like preventative it's like pre it's like it's just budgeting right mm-hmm. you're creating like an emergency fund of time um well i mean like we, we we're talking about that a little bit like we went on family vacation home for three days, went to Portland, home for three days, went to New Mexico. And I'm like, I looked, I'm like, I haven't worked in the shop in like close to a month, but systems that I had put in place many years ago allowed that to not be like, you know, catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah. Prevented it from causing a domino effect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like what, what that, like simplified down to like a question that is really valuable is like, what are you doing today for like you in the future? Mm -hmm. And I think that us in the future is like a super like weird concept. Cause you look and you're like, well, okay. So like there's 40 year old TJ. Do Mm -hmm. you, do you know who that dude is? Do you, it's a great question. do you know what's important to him? <laughs> like That's anything a good one that you can do now that when you get to 40 year old TJ and you're like, I'm so glad 30 year old TJ did this. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to like, I think right now, like I'm, I'm so focused on the kids. That's like the biggest one where I'm like, when I'm 50, what am I going to look back on and be like, I did that wrong or yeah. Or I'm really glad that I yeah. prioritized this versus, you know, uh, like, I don't know, like paper chase or whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. With the kids, that's like undeniable with that one, you know, can't get that time back. Can't get so, it back. Yeah. I had, uh, this like coaching stuff. One of the exercises was to write yourself. Yeah. It was two options. You could either write your own obituary or you could write yourself a letter from the future. And I did that one and it was, that was actually pretty intense. Mm. Weird, like weird, weird Mm. to sit and write. So I wrote it. I essentially wrote myself a letter from 2037, which was, is like Bo going to college. Mm -hmm. Winston would be like 17. Bo would be going to school. And I wrote myself a letter. And it was a trip. That's <laughs> insane. Dude, that, I, I'd never thought about it that way. I got to try that. It's pretty I, we intense. Can like, we'll, we'll go into it more for that, sure. That's an intense prompt. It was, dude, I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it every year. Mm-hmm. Because there was, it was like two parts where one, I was kind of like writing myself an, a letter to like visualize what I would want at that point. Okay. So I'm like talking about the good things that's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Like telling myself that like, Oh, Bo's headed off to school. He's super excited. Like we just got back from like a month in Spain or whatever, you know, just like some fun stuff. Talk about my relationship with Maddie, like talk about the business. And then I was like, here's, I have like a couple pointers that I want, or like a couple thoughts I want to leave you with. And it, it, <laughs> It's super weird, man. It's like Mm -hmm. all advice that I feel like I needed to hear, but is like self-generated. Yeah. 
I know this is like yeah. heady and no. weird, but <laughs> I can understand that. No, that's that's interesting. <laughs> it's like pulling. It's like pulling at your own like sub database. Well, it, it's like asking you to unveil the denial that you have. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like because it's it's like right now you you can deny something, but you know, ten years from now, you're gonna look back and you know that you'll be feeling the consequences of that denial. Yeah. But right now the denial is beneficial enough that you maintain it. Yeah. But it's like 10 years from now, I'm going to, I would have advised myself to not be in denial. (laughs) Dude. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. I just titled it letter to self and like I just wrote and I'm like, that was cool. So there's been this, yeah, this last like couple months, man, it's like, it's wild how kind of growth or changes happen in these like spurts. Another one, like just like the conversation with um, with Josh was another friend that I really look up to uh, from Cape visited us. Super talented machinist. Like he's got two sons. He's got a great business, like great family. Just great. Right. And he's like probably early 60s. I was kind of telling him like what I was doing and like some kind of what I was struggling with a little bit. He was like, look your focus right now. He's like, you can come back to the work. He's like, I know this seems like, like this type of growth and like these things seem like the most important. He's like, he's like, I work too much when my kids are little and I will always know that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you look, he's like, you're, you're spending the time in the right place. And it's like, sometimes just hearing it from someone else is so nice. Mm-hmm you know, just as like an affirmation or like, you know, yeah, I don't know. So it feels like somehow all of these different elements have like kind of come into play as the situation is actually changing. And it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're having it work out as a growth experience. And that's awesome. (laughs) No, I mean, that's, that was a lot. That was like, that was a big update, but yeah, no, I, I love it, dude. That's there's a lot of nuggets in there. I'm, I'm already chewing on it. I need to take some notes. I thought you would like the letter one for some yeah. reason that like the, no, I the, love that. the obit like didn't stick when I did it. Yeah. I started to like work on, I'm like, I actually can't, I can't see that far ahead, mm-hmm. but I can really see 10 years for sure. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably at this point in like this age, 10 years is like a pretty reasonable goal just to like one, just to make it there Mm -hmm. and like what you want at the end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, no. the actions you're doing now are going to directly correspond. That's the thought. Yeah. When you're 80. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When you're 80, like what is obviously some things you do now are going to be direct. Yeah. But, but they're way too many permutations. At that yeah, point. yeah. It's too, it's too hard to, to yeah. know. It's like, yeah. I want to be healthy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm sure people's ears are smoking now. Um, in a good way. I'm sure. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully yeah. in a good way. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Thanks for listening to that guys. Uh, okay. Let's talk about something, um, tangible. What is that tangible thing? uh, You sent me a box the other day. I actually just posted a video of this. Uh, I am holding the first ever finished turn. And you have a certificate of authenticity that says so from. I do. The manufacturer. And it kills (laughs) me because now I can't use it. Uh, (laughs) It's going back in the box, man. Uh, I did put it in my pocket, though. Uh, Yeah. So um, TJ has been cranking in true TJ fashion and has this fixed blade. I mean, we're, you're good. Like you're done, right? We're production ready on it. You are production ready. It's all fixtured. We've built every step of the process. We have a pile of them already machined and heat treated. And basically we got up to the point of where they're going to need laser engraved prior to finishing and where the sheath was getting, ready for your review and so i wanted to send you one to review engravings and just sort of the accessorizing of the knife um and if we're if we're green lighted and uh then we're gonna we're gonna be production means go um yeah we're we're 100 percent good that's awesome so since we're doing this let's like let's what's the plan do we have a set plan yet so um i have a 
I do have a plan for this model as it pertains to my business. So I've alluded to this in the past, but one of the hardest things in my business and with my current business model is we, our knives are available to be ordered at any given time. You can go on my website. All of our models are there. You can custom order it. That's great. I love that. But I spoke about the metaphor of levers, like pulling levers that cause ebbs and flows in sales is what I, my game has been for months, yeah. Um, if not a couple of years now. And it's been working really well, but the game of not knowing how many people are going to show up and custom order when there is no control uh, at all. Because like if you have a, if you're going to do a drop of like Cypops, right? you can never like be for sure you're going to sell them all or whatever, right. or whatever. But like, you know that, on this date, you can build them by that date and you can right. sell them. So you can at least have a cadence or a pattern of yeah. some and kind. And there's some historical data. Yeah. So you're like kind of making, cal- you're like doing calculated yeah. risk, you know? Whereas the cadence of our business is completely up to just the populace coming to the website and buying the knife. And so it's like, right. we just don't know. Like, I can't tell you what the next week's going to be. I can't tell you what the next 24 hours is going to be. Right. I have no idea. And it's been troubling to to like go to bed at night and kind of think about that and not have enough levers that i feel like i can pull to not necessarily to cause like a huge amount of sales in addition to what we're selling but to Mm -hmm. stabilize it is the real question uh so the idea with the turn is possibly a little bit of an adjustment to the model and that is i i still have the configurable knives one of the things i did was come out with the signature customs which for the first time gives me the control of some sort of drop mm-hmm. um, to trigger certain amount of sales at a given time. And the mm-hmm. turn will be the first like inline model to be launched in a staggered way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the Overland Sport, I just opened it wide open, you know, like show up, buy the knife, we'll build it. And we, we, we got through that actually today. We put the, the, a packing slip on a, or a, a label on a package for a sport. We officially have zero outstanding orders on the sport, which is a goal of ours because like we want to get production. uh, We want to be ahead of production a little bit. Um, And so that went really well, but it caused a massive surge when the sport was launched and a huge distraction against all of our other models. Yep. This turn, we will be dropping in batches. I'm not sure on the size. I'm not sure on the frequency but we will be controlling the release in a staggered right. way that spreads that out and doesn't yep. distract us from other models yep. and gives us some predictability. Consistency. Yep. Right. Yep. That is, Oh, it's, it's good on two fronts because, okay, you have the consistency, but it also does. Yeah. It doesn't over leverage your time. Mm-hmm. I guess in a lot, that's like what I'm trying to do with some of the simple products that I'm working on where I'm like, okay, you deserve this much of my month. Mm-hmm. full stop and then it's after that it changes i i love that as a model mm-hmm. oh, i appreciate it and part of why i'm doing it on this model is i'm anticipating an influx of people who who are in your sphere right um, that are going to be like newly introduced to the to my business right and allowing them to flow in at a like controlled pace yep um is is part of it too um and so i I, the word i've been using is like laminate so i'm like laminating the turn on top of the existing business model as like a stabilizer Um, so so the existing model will still be heavily fluctuating but at least the bottom is not zero anymore the bottom is this amount of turns that we're planning to drop you know what i mean that that like that brings up a whole (laughs) another like concept kind of that has been in my mind lately, which is like all or nothingism mm-hmm. where you look at, you're like, all right, new model. Like I'm going to shift everything. Like we need to do this, whatever versus, or like making every model run efficiently versus like, all right, I'm going to do this one thing. It's going to be efficient. Mm-hmm. Like, or 80, it's like Pareto's law, 80, 20 right? Like you're going to start off and like 20% of your things are going to be efficient, but, Mm -hmm. but allowing, just realizing that like anything that creates stability, even if it's only 5% of the overall is still valuable. Mm -hmm. It's just, we're small enough that it's so easy to want to try to like make everything work better. Yeah. 
yeah. right? Or fit it all into one system. Yep. So that seems like from a diversification standpoint, that seems like a very good move. And maybe for you for products moving forward, it's almost like you have just different bins. Mm-hmm. Really, this product would be really, really hard to work in this way, or you don't want to for some reason. And then you have, you're like, okay, these are, this is going to, this allows us to make X amount per month, every month as a baseline. Yeah. Pretty cool. Another thing about the turn is, so we won't be offering Cerakote in the initial phases of this. Okay. There are troubles with Cerakoting a knife that doesn't have scales. Um, For obvious reasons, Cerakote is paint. If you're going to hold an object to paint it, Yep. You have to hold it somewhere. And if there is no somewhere that can be later covered with something, you're going to get artifacts from hanging this thing for painting. So here's a weird uh, question. This mm-hmm. is just brain. Has anyone done like magnetic, magnetic paint? Like obviously it only works on steel. Right. But could you suspend an object with magnetism? <laughs> you probably could. I've talked to the Cerakoter, not specifically about that. The only concern I have is like you are blowing air at it and it would probably be, it would move spinning, but it would spin and you would count. Yeah. That would like go into your like, yeah, it would be cool. It's a cool video. If a Cerakoter is listening, that'd be pretty (laughs) epic. I, I do want to talk to him about that because I I have a few ideas kind of like, and I'm sure he would have a few ideas, but long story short, the initial offerings are not going to offer Cerakote for that reason, because we just don't have a solution yet. Yeah. And then secondly, the configurability on this knife is going to be most actually all in the sheath to start. Um, So all the colors and eyelets and things that I do are going to be available for the sheath for the turn. So like when it goes up for ordering, it'll just be, you know, magna cut stone wash and then configure your sheath. Yep. Um, And so that's, that's the game plan. It's pretty fun. I am excited for the turn with you few reasons. A couple of those are though, that it's actually you and I talk about production collaboration so much, and we have a lot of theories around things that work and why they work and like things that we wish we could try Mm -hmm. this model in my head. I see areas where I'm like, Oh, I think this, I could mod this. I could add this feature where it would be, it'll be interesting to see like if this does really well, if there's a model extension, Mm -hmm. like what we do with that model extension. And then I just love it because this is literally as a knife, this is as simple as you can start with. Mm -hmm. So like anything we did after this point would be like kind of adding to it or adding a feature or adding scales or like whatever it is. And where does that make sense? And where does it not? I think those are going to be fun conversations. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was like to carry this thing. Well, I'm I'm like, I love, I dropped a video today and I was like, like this was kind of, it's like an EDC pairing knife. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of people are going to get it if you're in like the more tactical side, but dude, this is like, that is like, super efficient food prep but also just nice to use like a fisherman's knife dude dude because like you don't have the scales so you can get it all fish guts and oily and you can just wash it off uh it's magnet it's got that tiny little tip it's got the right blade shape like you could do some light filleting with that i I think it's a great outdoorsman's companion even hunting skinning yeah kind of just like camp camp kitchen Mm -hmm. slash just pocket knife Oh, dude, I'm excited. Uh, I, I love you, the the fixed blade, like kind of that the smaller form factor fixed blades. I think have so much range. It it's because they're they're like very approachable, you know. One thing I wanted to point out, we'll just talk about it. Just getting into like the production of this knife. One of the things we've discovered is so we all of my other knives we just pull one knife out of production that's been heat treated and we turn it into a sheath block knife. Yep. Um, and so it gets lost from production, but it's just turned into a mule for like making sheaths. So we did the same exact thing with this knife. But the difference that we didn't think about was if we were pulling all these knives out of production prior to tumbling. So they're just like heat treated. Yep. And all the other knives, most of the engagement of the sheath is on the handle. Yeah. And that's what's preventing movement is like yeah. engagement on the G10. And what we do on those on all the other knives is the G10 
we machine the scales for that mule to be five thou thinner than our actual handles. Yeah. So that you expand the sheath 10 yep. thou and it creates a spring. Yep. We don't have that on this. And in addition to that, it not being tumbled as the mule knife yep. meant that all of the internal chamfers in the sheath were perfectly sharp. Yeah. And so you put a tumbled knife into that sheath and it doesn't actually engage in the way in that it's the it same way. Yeah. Um, and so we, we went ahead and sent you that one, which is not a complete sheath because it has the mule being untumbled. Um, but I believe we can solve that in short order um, because we already did tumble that knife and we're going to make more sheaths and get it dialed. But there is some play in that. It, honestly, having messed with a lot of Kydex over the years, this is still like, even with that, mm. it's still very, very good fit. Good. And like retention is solid, you know? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's coming out. That to me, like someone can tell me I'm a liar, but like if you're a newer maker and you're building Kydex, you want your sheath to do this. Like that is showing retention and that is showing like proper molding. Which brings out a great point. Um, A little side thing on the Overland Sport. We were building sheaths and all of a sudden they stopped clicking. Ooh. And we're like, why is it not clicking? Like our sheaths click because I agree with you. The click yeah. is, is what we want. And it turns out the mule for that knife, we had screwed, bolted those uh, artificial scales on um, and the, they're cut in half because of way, the way it mounts on the fixture. Now in that knife, there's, that leaves only one screw in those scales. Ooh. And so one of them rotated a little tiny bit. Yep. And was creating a false like fit and yeah. it wasn't clicking anymore. Yeah. We scrapped like 25 sheaths, I think, that yeah. were complete because we were just, yeah. there's no click. Like it had the retention, Sorry. but I was like, the I click, want the click. I, I, I should like explain that more. The, the click doesn't necessarily explain proper engagement. Like just because you get a click doesn't mean the sheath is functioning properly. But a sheath that is functioning properly in my, experience and opinion that click really shows that your engagement point is functioning correctly it shows that your eyelets are in the right location it shows that there's like the right amount of like spring essentially in the sheath mm-hmm. for it to function yep and and, and also not just like wedgy pressure yeah and it, in use it's also beneficial because i mean i'm sure anyone that's carried a, a kydex you know belt knife They've noticed where like every once in a while you won't get it all the way in there on the first go. Like maybe your shirt goes into there with it and you don't hear the click and you immediately are aware that you didn't get it fully sheathed. And the click is like an audible alarm that's like engaged, locked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It's just, it just makes you feel confident, I guess. Right. I just imagine somebody being like, yeah, but when you're an operator, you want Mm. your sheath silent. That's when you thumb it. You thumb it real yeah. soft. But if you're putting okay. your knife in the sheath, you already stabbed the guy. So you're probably good. Done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fast twitch muscle. Yeah. Take it out fast. Won't yeah. matter. Yeah. Dude. Okay. So that is, and okay, that is like all of the kind of like basic updates on the turn, but we're ready to launch. Dude, that was fast. I'm very excited. It was, uh, it felt quick, but it was slow to me. I'm it, sure it, it did. The the sport was actually significantly faster from like initial design to completion, but totally this, this one was bouncing between other projects a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, and it's a different like you had to do different a different type of fixturing. There were there were things that you had to rethink where mm-hmm. the Overland Sport, it's still in that family. Yeah. Right. And and that knife stayed straight through heat treat, which was the first hurdle that was the hurdle that was the one thing where i, I was asking like how is this gonna work yeah because the tip so, is so fine stayed straight so you put that thing on the table and feel how straight it is dude i already did it's i did i did it yeah. with a i did it with a height gauge and it's <laughs> it's real straight it's real straight yeah. yeah and that's that's just the way it is like that was surface ground prior to heat treat bevel ground prior to heat treat milled into a skeleton and then heat treated so yeah, it's it's been going really it's, well on it's that. Impressive. Front. And so there's so that was the one of the one of the hoops. Another hoop is the holes. I was worried about the stones in my tumbler getting stuck in. Yep. I only tumbled two knives and of the turns, neither of them had any stones stuck in them. 
Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a plus. And then also uh, the one other thing that I'm noticing, um, I may not have a solve for immediately is I leave a tab for tumbling on the tip of the blade to not round the tip while tumbling. Mm -hmm. A lot of makers do that. Um, this knife, because of the grind being so thin, like we're at like nine or 10 thou on the thickness prior to sharpening and the tip is so fine that the actual tab is limited in its size before the grind just takes it to zero thickness. Right. Um, and so the thicker the edge, the bigger the tab can be before it is zero thickness. Got the it. Edge. The tab is so small on that knife and we're limited in that way that it's at the very cusp of not sharpening out and it actually the round over kind of appearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're right on the, on the like bleeding edge of what we could do edge thinness wise and still wow. tumble it. Yeah, but it did it did work. So I'm just going to be watching that closely. Yeah, just one more thing to worst check out. case scenario. I think our only option is to go like two thou thicker on the edge, but mm-hmm. that would only be in like an emergency if that is a big problem. Um, because I just I don't see how the tab could be bigger. It just right, just naturally the way it's built. It's just yeah. how it is. Well, and I mean, if it's running well now, even if it's really really close, I mean, hopefully that continues to just hold yeah because it's perfect i I noticed how thin the edge on this was and it's like for this knife it's ideal yeah yeah that's that's the thing i love thin edges we went to ten thou on that we went to ten thou on the sport we went to ten thou or i think we're at like 12 to 12 13 on the overland so we're just thin on everything yeah that's good man all right that's like that's very exciting first project heck yeah feels good it it does feel good and and I'm excited to post a picture because now that you've approved it, I was host, I was hesitant to post a picture because but, I was yeah, yeah. if you were going to ch- want the laser engraving moved around or something, nope. then I didn't want the picture. So nope. I will post I a picture probably today. Do it, man. I think this is awesome. Yeah, I posted in uh, I posted in the Facebook group and I posted on Instagram. Mm, just I like a quick little. I haven't seen it little. yet. It was hard. I got it last night and I was like, I want to open it, but I also don't. I just want to record it. I never do unboxing videos and I always think they're cool. Mm. So I did yeah. one. <laughs> my, my, my version of one anyway. Nice. Um, Good stuff. All right, man. So we got my shop turn. What's going on in your shop? Um, so I mentioned four tens. We went to four tens. Yep. Um, just a couple little things we were chasing down. One of them was we scrapped some sheaths. Not a big deal. I think that was last week. Um, you know, is what it is. Literally, Kydex is not that expensive. Caught it. Yep. Caught, caught it. it. Same. Um, yeah. Actually, Dalton caught it. And he just noticed that that had moved. And then we started checking the fit mm-hmm. and then we're like, none of these are clicky. Mm-hmm. Um, I was torn cause it's like, they were so functional still, but I was yeah. like, uh, it's just not the same. Right. We threw them out. But the, the other thing was um, we've been cruising on the sports. Like I said, we did a big, big push of sports to try to meet demand and exceed it. Um, we are producing some for retailers that are finished actually today, sending nice. some to Germany to knife lounge. I love that. Which is awesome. Maxi over yep, there. Maxi. We linked up at Blade Show. So I've nice. got them in a box behind me. We're getting the UPS set up to take that. Um, and then the, I mean, things have been going well in the shop. The one thing um, we may have talked about it on the pod before that we know of, but we've been struggling with a little bit is that if your blast media gets contaminated by blasting too much steel, it will discolor your G10. That's bright oh, color yeah. G10. And so we've been, because we blast all the knives and all the scales, yep. we have to replace the media frequently enough where that doesn't become an issue. Yep. The, the solve is to have two cabinets. Yeah. Only way to do that is we need to build like a, an exterior shed that would house the vacuum and our uh, compressor. Got it. So we've got a plan to do that and possibly end up bringing in another cabinet to just kill this issue. Um, so probably but, just throw a Kaser out there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a bit, that's facts. Yeah, for sure. So let me, let me ask you this. What, what blast cabinet do you use? It's a TP tools is the brand that sells it. They're on the East okay. coast somewhere. Uh, it's scat blast. Oh, scat blast. Okay. Yeah. And I'm super happy. American made. It was nice. really reasonably priced for what, what it are those, is. what are those price out at? So it, with a vacuum and a, the full cabinet is like 900. Oh, that's great. American. Um, made. You've seen mine, right? I use the Trinkos. Yep. Yep, the T20s, they're I I love them. I've got two of those. I've got one running Zerblast, one running mm-hmm. um like a silicon carbide. Yeah, 
uh, I actually made a change to it today. So I don't know if your VAC system, Trinko uses this weird, like, imagine a shower cap made of like uh, flannel, essentially. Mm. That's like the filter that they run inside of their little uh, vacuum canister. Yeah. Yeah. Inside of the canister. Um, I, it, it loads super fast. And as your media breaks down and dusts more, it breaks down, it loads really fast. Mm -hmm. Right. I think they say you're supposed to change them like every four months. Uh, mine do not last four months. No, ours neither. So I started, I was like, man, I'm going to just try plugging in my little DeWalt shop vac. The DeWalt's actually got too much vacuum. Um, sucks all your media out. It start, but it pulls. Yeah. It pulls hard, and because there's a bag in there, it doesn't load the filter. So today I took my Trinko apart and I added a DeWalt filter bag mm. off of the port, and I feel ridiculous because I've been running these for a decade. No kidding. And I haven't come up with that solution, and it works perfectly. No kidding. Well, yeah. it's way more surface area from as far as a filtration yeah. surface goes. Yep. More surface area is always better. Yep. That's smart. So I left Ours... a little filter in there, added the bag. So now it's like double filtration, but the the bag will not restrict airflow. What's, what happens is that filter starts to load and the airflow just gets cut, I would say, by two thirds. And so mm-hmm. you have two options. Either I blast apart and wait for a minute mm-hmm. for the cabinet to clear, or I blast apart and hold my breath mm-hmm. as I open the cabinet and a bunch of dust comes out. So yep. like this hopefully will solve that with the vac. Yeah. It's like you, I'm done blasting. I open the door. There's nothing. It's crystal clear inside. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, so we definitely need to invest in better solutions. We don't have huge problems with that, but it is pretty frequent, but we have in the canister, it's got a, uh, a filter that's like, uh, you know, like a Canon air filter, how it's mm-hmm. like a cylinder, That's like standard vacuum style, but it's like pretty big. I mean, it's yeah. probably like 10 inch diameter by like 10 inches tall or something. Um, and we, what we've been doing is we have a backup filter, but we've just been taking it out. Yeah. Um, and we'll go like put a mask on, go beat it yeah. in our trash can and like yeah. blow it out. And we've reused it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's like shop vac style. That works. Better. Yeah. I'm pretty interested. There's I mean, there's separators. I've always been curious about the separators so where you can actually reclaim the lost I, media. I installed one. Um, How does that work? Doesn't seem to work really okay. at all. <laughs> Only my reasoning on it is I think so because of the discoloration issues. So you would recommend silicon carbide. Yep. I tried it once, loved it on steel. Yep. On it steel. is my favorite. Yeah. But it completely is unusable on like brightly colored G10. Right. Because it literally just, it just embeds basically Gray. black carbide yeah. into a yeah it's ruined um so i immediately had to pivot from that with only one cabinet um and the media we use now is because we're replacing it so often to keep it fresh i'm going on the cheaper end which is just aluminum oxide white yep. and it's more dusty than right your average media which i don't like um but i think almost everything that's leaving through the vacuum is like so Broken. fine yeah that it's not stopping in the collector and it's going all the way to the vacuum. Yeah. And so yeah, I'll yeah. try to drain and like reclaim media and nothing really comes yeah, out. You just get dust. Yeah. It just goes all the way through. That's another man. I was, as I was running the laser and I was messing with parameters on the laser and I was doing like some, I was doing like a Neil passes for coloration. And then I was doing deep engraving some SQDs and just realizing like what a deep hole it is as far as like learning Mm-hmm. Dude, tumbling, sandblasting, everything that we do, there is a level that you can take your understanding of it to like a just crazy nth degree. Yeah. To truly understand like blasting media and like where the applications are, what your pressures are, what nozzle sizes, what nozzle materials. Like there's so much that can be like tweaked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's almost like painstaking in the beginning. It's true. I think, I think we... <laughs> went through like three or four different medias and different three different nozzles different diameters yeah i've got now we have a sticker on there that has like different pressures for steel versus g10 oh interesting Um, that's super smart yeah because we've noticed that you want higher pressure on g10 because you're trying to texture it yep a little bit yeah um and you want to just do it fast you don't want to sit there all day do you run steel at 
like basically as low as we can go where the siphon is still working. Oh, interesting. Um, and so we're at like 40. I think oh. we go a little lower. Um, but the, the lower you go in pressure, the less media you get in a siphon yep. setup. So it's like, it's actually just a, a race against wanting a low pressure, but not wanting it to take too long. Right. Um, and if there are better, nicer cabinets out there, they can go way lower in pressure and because not Because they're pressurized. Yep. Right? Pre- yeah, they, they're direct pressure as opposed to a siphon. Got because it. what you're essentially creating in a, in a siphon is a vacuum. Like right. the airflow is creating a vacuum. If you have low airflow, you have a low vacuum. It's going to draw less media. Um, and so the reason being is I don't want porous steel um, because I don't want anything that could promote rust. Right. Um, and in the beginning, I was running a lot higher pressure because it makes better, more efficient blasting. Yeah. And I noticed it did promote corrosion yeah. more more than like a finer blast. Yeah. And so even without changing the grit of the media, you can way reduce the porosity with a lower pressure. Yeah. Um, and so that's what it's we're doing. It's a good, good argument for experimentation in general. Mm-hmm. You know, play with your pressures. Yeah. Like say it's the same with tumbling where you're like, you can do pre tumbling or you can like, you can go. I mean, if you think about a part, you have dimensional change, right? So if you use a coarse media and you leave a part in too long, it can change it. But you should also theoretically be able to take a part to a mere finish with like little geometric or, you know, like dimensional change. But it, that process gets starts to get more and more refined. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what finish do you go in at? What are your stages? What are your times? What are your like compounds that you're mm-hmm. using? I, dude, well, it's a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, speaking on this, <laughs> we had a absolute head scratcher pop up this week and we tried to solve it and failed. And then this morning, actually, I had the realization of what it was. So we had a batch of Overland Sports come out and they had, you could see the jimping from another knife on the flat of the next of like another knife. Okay. And, and in my in my head, I was like, it looks like it's either like hard water or corrosion because when we when we come out, we wash them and we stack them and then we're oiling them. Mm, okay. And I'm and I'm thinking we're in my head. I'm like, okay, it's, they sat there too long next to each other and they like oxidized against each other or something happened where one basically imprinted on the other. And what we did is the next batch, I would pull one knife out of the tumbler, dip it in soap water hand it to Dalton. He would blow it off, oil it. And so we were just doing a little chain and got them all out one by one. Mm -hmm. And a couple of them still had that. And I was like, okay, well, they never touched each other after the tumbler. And I'm like, when were they stacked against each other before that? And what we have been doing blasting is we'll stack like five of them and blast the perimeter and then blast them one by one. uh, as far Oh, yeah. And there was enough fanning in your hand where you're blasting the perimeter that the blast was getting double blasted right along the shadow of the next blade over oh. and it was deep enough that it would show up after tumble um dude that's yeah a, that's that's wild yeah yeah <laughs> it, it took us like a day and a half for that light bulb to go on of like because we were starting to think like okay maybe at heat treat yeah they're stacking layering the, the blasting and and then it's like too soft in that one spot so it blasts deeper and i'm like wait a minute we're double blasting it oh, in a, sh- we're blasting a shadow of the next knife onto the other knife. So now, um, two options, we either blast them totally individually and we don't blast the perimeters together, which right. is slower, or we just have to run like an end mill through the holes so that when you blast the perimeter, you're not, there's no chance of throwing a shadow because they're perfectly stacked. Right. Yeah. Or you do spacers or you do, yeah. Like there's a bunch of ways yeah. to do that if yeah, it's yeah. more efficient. Yeah. Or you do the Chris Reed method where you literally have like a wheel and Dude, that method is cool. Yeah. They like spin a wheel with knives on it yeah. and like blast in one spot and like it's do like it, a lathe. And then flip them. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. At least they do that on the handle scales. I yeah. I didn't can't say I saw it on the blades, but yeah. for sure on handles. Yep. Pretty cool. Sorry if I just gave <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's in the video. Oh good. Yeah. That's like old school. Hmm. Um, for those of you guys who haven't seen that, if you want to see like inside of a really cool company, but also at a specific point in time, um, what was it like exquisite edge or something like that? Like does it's like exquisite edge does, you know, Chris Reeves knives. Yeah. I think it was like maybe like an 
Asian. It's like a 45 minute. Yeah, tour. it's awesome. I think Blade HQ has an old one too, like an old, old one. Yeah. Super fun but to yeah, watch. It, yeah. Chris Reeves got a awesome stuff going on over there for sure. It's nice. But dude, but yeah. So we've been chasing down like a couple little things that have popped up in production that nothing like total nightmare situation just like you know little quality things controlling as always i try to live in a in a mental space where this is just a normal thing yeah um i think trying to squash all problems and just expect them to go away forever is a fool's errand no and as soon as you do that is when you start shipping knives on accident that are bad because you're not paying attention yeah so yeah just a few little things nothing crazy but we are about next week next week we are going to be finishing like actually stoning and tumbling turns full production. Oh, wow. Um, so. Okay. Be good. So if you guys are not on DJ's mailing list, that's get on one. there. We'll do it. We're going to link it. So we'll basically, we'll, when, when they're ready to drop, we'll do a newsletter on our end. We'll link over to you. Mm-hmm. This is like the, this is the fun stuff about collabs is like yeah. being able to, you know, Kind cross of pollinate. Yeah, cross pollinate. That's what you mm-hmm. want. You yep. know, show people yeah, something cool. So I look forward to it. Dude, that was that was a fun conversation. Um mm-hmm. hopefully so I'm headed to I'm headed to USN next week. So if we wanted to record, we would have to do it early in the week. If not, we'll miss one more and then mm-hmm. hopefully we'll just be back on Stabilized. like Stabilized. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I'm gonna be a homebody for a mm-hmm. while. That's my cool. plan. Cool. Well okay. yeah, it was a fun one. Appreciate one. you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. If you're still listening, we appreciate you. Yep. Yeah. Um stay well. Peace. Cool. Later.